And I think you find this, especially not just with creative people, but anybody whose job is to work on a computer and do some kind of idea work, whether it's writing or video or design, you only have like two or three good hours in the day to work on creative stuff. And the rest of your time should be letting go of any idea of productivity and like consuming great stuff. But the problem is that that looks like laziness or that looks like being disorganized. That piece is essential if you want to stay fresh and you want to be inspired and avoid those creative ruts. Mose, what's going on, buddy? We're back at it again. Another week, another pod, no guest yet again. I don't know what's going on. Can't seem to secure anyone, but who needs guests when we have each other? What's going on? You uh, just made your big move. You're back in Aurelia. Back in O-Town. Yeah, man. Big move. Uh, Huge weekend for everyone, I think, with stuff opening up. So it's exciting. Hope to be in Toronto soon. And uh, this basement apartment setup that i have is just undefeated i mean you're not in the clubhouse anymore uh no there was some structural damage to the uh roof or something so can't be no good yeah not so fun but geez that so what how does it feel to never go to thunder bay again besides to see some friends like you're never gonna live there again i mean your whole life spent in a place and now it's just you know that that chapter of life is absolutely closed and uh glued shut it was pretty poetic, actually. I don't know if you follow the news, but all of Northern Ontario is on fire right now. I feel like it happened right as we were leaving. So I didn't even know about that, but I it was so I was shooting on Sunday, and it was supposed to be like a sunny day with clouds, and there was just this weird haze in the sky. And I was looking up, and the sun was like a bright circle, in like no clouds. It was just a clear sky, but it was like gray haze. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Is there another fire? Didn't find out until this morning there was, you know, what was it, a giant forest fire in northern Ontario? Like- Several, yeah. There's just, they're all over. It's fire season. So I have a couple buddies up in Thunder Bay who are firefighters. And I saw a snap from last week. And this guy had the temperature and it was like 42 degrees where he was. He was just oh drenched. Dude, I remember one time driving on Eglinton in, in the car with my mom. And there was just a car like on the other, going the other way. It, completely lit on fire it was like fully engorged in flame like something happened no one died or anything but it was just so they got out of the car when it was smoking and lit into flame we drove by it maybe 30 feet away 20 feet away and as soon as we got closer it started getting hotter and hotter and then as soon as we went right parallel to it and passed it you just felt like it felt like getting punched in the face by just heat i've never experienced that in my life it just like it felt like we walked into a we drove by a wall of heat so I can't imagine what like, you know, kilometers of kilometers of a uh, tree or burning forest would be like, you know, even if you're like maybe half a kilometer away, it's probably like 10 degrees hotter. Terrible. Awful. And the other thing is that uh, my house in Thunder Bay didn't have air conditioning. So there is I don't know if Toronto got hit by it. There is this stretch of about four or five days on uh, Canada Day weekend that was just awful. Like you couldn't fall asleep because it was 25 at night. Dude, Toronto's been brutal with, it's been kind of hot, but it's like mainly rain. And there's so many outdoor, we have three outdoor shoots. Or was it, no, it was only two. We had to push these back so far. And no, it was, sorry, it was three outdoor shoots, three different jobs. Yeah, we're going to book this day. We're scheduling with people, you know, balancing three schedules. Rained out, rained out, rained out. Three weeks of delaying and we're finally gonna we got it done one of them on sunday and then we're doing one tomorrow and then hopefully one thursday but like it's just been such a disaster with rain 
you know, making us push back projects, which to a bigger note, bigger like talking point about that. It's like you start a project, you put your energy into it and then you put on pause and then you're back in with the energy again on pause, back in the energy on pause. And there's no like, like you just feel like that, like every project, it feels like you're in a circle. It's a cycle and we're just like stuck and moving back and forth. And there's like no sense of closure. It's actually depressing. It's the worst feeling. The The worst feeling. Like, I hate when projects drag on. It's like if you could somehow shoot it, take a, and it's like a long, heavy shoot, take the next day off, edit it the day after, like two days after you shoot, and then it's done, that would be a dream life. It'd be nice. It's almost like, honestly, being freelance, that's where it sucks, is like you're just fucking, you can't just do the video. It's like the whole fucking process takes so long. So Unless many you got revisions. a kid in Indonesia editing it for you. Well, yeah. I mean, even then, it's like, you know, you're dialoguing with him and dialoguing with the client. It's just a disaster. But, dude. Yes, agreed that long projects are the worst. I got, I got, I got a, not even a story, but just this weekend was a really good shoot week. It was terribly anxious leading up to the Sunday shoot. Um, we did a video with Shane Wright and Pavel Barber, you'll see on Mars Blade Social. Hopefully we'll Humble have that break. shortly. Humble break. Humble break. I mean, like Max and I, who I, he's been on the podcast and like we've done videos before together with Mars Blade and the GTHL. Like, we've known Shane for three years now. He's known him for like five or six or something like that. So like we have like a relationship, so we work and it's like nothing. He was super chill. Like I've never, like for like a young athlete who's never delivered lines on a video, he actually fucking killed it. That was one thing going in. Um, this whole video, I shouldn't really spoil it, but it's like a little like competition between Pavel and Shane. So there's lines and chirping going into, it, I'm like, I have to direct and shoot this thing. I was shitting bricks the days leading up. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, how am I going to get the shots right? Then I got a fucking direct athletes, you know, who aren't maybe the best actors as, as we all know, just an absolutely painstaking process. And it's on a Sunday where your head's just, you know, you're in like a relaxed state. You have to you get want to be. And- you want to be you're, you're the whole way up i was like i don't know if i want to shoot this and then we get there and well, it was, you definitely it was, didn't want to be in that car driving wherever you were going oh no yeah the traffic is also terrible oh my god it was one thing that when we budgeted this project i don't want to bring up it's like every time i budget i underestimate the pre-production like that meetings that, not just the meetings which is pretty hefty but like writing the script writing the shot list, drawing the storyboard and making sure all the shots make sense. Cause like when you're creating something that's not just, you know, run and gun shoot, make a cool social edit. It's like, you got to make sure like each shot makes sense with one another and goes into the edit properly. And I'm like double checking a shot list three, four times over just to make sure like the camera's in the right spot where it doesn't feel too jump cutty or too like all over the place. And that was just giving me boatloads of anxiety well you and love it, to do that work for those that don't know know will he is the master at making up ideas and figuring the stuff out beforehand yeah i, I love doing that work exactly <laughs> no it, it's honestly fun doing that work but it's like there's a reason there's a director and a dp like the dp's not i mean the director is the main guy shot listing and then the dp comes in and like helps you know creatively direct those shots so that they're interesting and like more vibrant but it's like i'm doing two people's jobs I'm like this isn't and you charge for both no i charge wish you could charge one. for both and i only really charge for the shooting for the <laughs> shot work oh which sucks but you live and you learn tough 
But it was, a, it was a good shoot. And, you know, we brought out a bunch of guys. We got a PA. We had an audio guy. And then Max was like second pa but mainly kind of Max weaseled his way on another shoot. Absolutely. Just that was the funniest DM you sent him like weeks ago. Just <laughs> how do you keep managing to to make your way onto these projects? He's <laughs> like, what? You think Will's the uh, the brains behind this operation? Come on now. Just shredded you. Yeah, of course, of course. No, he's the he's the he's the glue guy, the glue guy of every shoot. But w- one last note from this shoot is like, we're we're doing our thing, and they have to both wear specific skates for this shoot because we're marketing a specific brand of skates. Halfway through the shoot, Shane's like, you know, my feet really hurt in this thing. And I'm like, that's okay. Do you want to take good. a break? And probably not good that you're mentioning that on this podcast. What What do you mean? I feel like it's fine. I mean, hey, your Uh-oh. client, not mine. No, I told the client. The client already knows. But that the skates hurt people's feet? No, 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 no. Because they were a little too big for him. Because oh, like, so it wasn't the skates. It was just a no, fit no, 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 problem. no, 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 no. It's just oh, that he so got. I interpreted a... that wrong. So that's on me. I'm yeah, dash, yeah, yeah. Probably dash five already in this yeah. podcast. It's been yeah. Um, and it's been five minutes. His feet, his feet are kind of hurting and shit. And I'm like. Okay. Okay. So, well, while you like rest or like change into different skates, like we have to figure out all the other shots that don't involve you. Even though we have everything scheduled in the order we wanted to, now we have to like jim jim jumble, jumble juggle shots and go from like end of day, bring it up here, and then bring this one down here. And like I couldn't imagine doing that without a PA. Like there's something to be said about content creation. It's like just take a pay cut and like bring someone out to help you like balance all this stuff. Cause it's just like, I felt like I was going to lose my mind at one point being like, I don't know what shot to do here. And when like he has to be out of here at 6 PM, it's four forty-five. We have like 10 shots to go. I don't think we're going to nail the hamster this. wheel is just turning at this point. It's just firing all on cylinders. It's just, just disastrous, oh, but terrible. So the question is like, do you want to eat out of a dumpster and pay that uh, PA? Or do you want to be like less stressed on the shoot? Always pick less stress. Well, there Fuck you go. money. Or just charge appropriately so that you don't have to like would be worry. Great. Charge for being the DP and the director. <sighs> and the like, brands wouldn't under- understand that. They're like, do you just need like two guys? You'll be fine. You'll figure It'll it out. It'll be all good. No, these guys, Mars Blade, are like the best clients I've had in recent Swedes? memory. They're I think so they're good. Swedish, aren't they? They are Swedish. I don't know... I've never met a bad Swede. Never met a bad Swede. Actually, one of the guys is cool. So cool he does this. Like he works for Mars Blade, I think in like the marketing department. And he also runs his own um moose farm in Sweden. Jeez. Like he it sells. Had to be either my something. guess was either Moose Farm or he had a Vegas residency as a DJ. It had <laughs> to be one of the two. Rest in peace, Avicii. Um it was terrible. Oh, that guy's my favorite EDM oh, artist. He just walking all over his name well the other thing i wanted to kind of talk about which stems from this story is so i'm like doing three projects on the go with these guys with mars blade along with max um as well as like there's just other mini projects with tons of different clients and it's making me think and i was really thinking about this the other day like it's great to do all this work and it's cool that like i'm busy and everything's you know hunky-dory in that sense but it's like why like we are not meant humans to like context switch and balance all these different projects like realistically like the the creatives ideal world is like you have like four projects a year like one every quarter and actually devote yourself like completely to it 
and make it the best thing ever. But in a situation with the COVID situation or just not having a ton of money or a ton of a big network or being super established, like you have to take all these projects on just so you can make sure like you, it's like that scarcity mindset. I don't want to be left with no money or no, no work. Mm-hmm. I say yes to all this stuff and I'm not charging, you know, a shitload of money. So I'm always making a little bit of money, but always busy and always context switching and no project is a hundred percent full effort into it because you can't, you, you simply have to edit on a Wednesday, then shoot later that day, and then you edit some other projects on Thursday. Then later in the day on Thursday, you have to like pre-plan for the shoot that's happening on Sunday. Then on Friday, you got to finish that edit that you started on Wednesday, finish the pre-planning on Friday, take Saturday off so you can like breathe and have a life, and then full guns blazing on Sunday. But wait, go back, go back. Saturday, you're just, you're, you're unloading. You're, you're taking the pressure gauge and you're having a good time. That's what you think. But then in the back of your mind, you're like, did I prepare enough? Did I do this? Did I do that? Is Sunday actually going to be a good day? It's a sad existence. And it's like, oh my God, like, why not just charge more, take less work, less clients, and then just focus hundred percent on that. Right. And that's something I just drill in my mind. Well, I feel like everyone could, if they just said that they said, I'm busy, I can't take this work, but I, the only, or I, I can take this work, but it will cost this much more. Right. You know what I mean? Have you ever had, have you ever thought about charging for like a rush rate if the deadline is super close and you already have stuff on the go? To be honest, no one's really been like, I need this turned around like ASAP. It's usually like a very loose deadline. Very like, let's just try and get it done next week. So that's kind of like a problem in itself because then you're like, oh, there's no real hard urgency. You know what I mean? Right. So I kind of tried to tell the clients, give me some rough deadline or something. But mainly it's like, man, what? Like just like learn to say no. Like I can't seem to say no. I don't know what it is. It's like I'm still in this like COVID mindset. You're just like trapped and thinking the work's going to disappear tomorrow. Well, wait, let's be clear. You were flooring it with work going into COVID. That semester, your your fall semester, fourth year at Ryerson, holy! That I think that's the most I've ever seen a single person work. Not gonna lie. Well, I was wild. I did have a lot of help. Whereas, like you know, you were around. We had Ryan Ward around, Cameron Curran. There was so much like people there to help. Whereas now it definitely feels a lot more like isolated and desolate. Yeah, like the community space. But and most of the Ryerson people, you know, are just grinding at the olympics right now shout out the ryerson people for that yeah shout shout out ryerson have um, a great story no names it's super quick um (laughs) when what would have been it would have been 2017 or 20 no it would have been 2018 the winter olympics um one of our mutual friends christian steeds you said you won't mention names but all good no, he wasn't the guy. He was recording the guy. Sends me a Snapchat that I don't... Sends me a Snapchat at like 2, 3 a.m. They don't see until the next day. And it's another one of our mutual acquaintances who I won't say his name. Just snoozing on the job. Feet up, looking at his computer, but not looking at his computer, taking a nice little uh, uh, eyes, closed, uh, eyes closed nap. This guy was just snoozing. So if there's those happening in... Uh, what I can only imagine those are happening in the studio right now, the Olympics. So shout out all those people. You're going to work some late nights. I feel like nobody respects the kind of those kind of people and they don't think about it because they're just watching the Olympics, but just know behind the scenes, there's people grinding their asses off and uh, you know, they're sacrificing their sleep. 
So I'm not going to live that life anymore, but I respect the people that do. I, I respect the hell of it. I mean, Cam- Cameron Kern, who we had on the podcast, is doing it too. She's like, do you want yo, there's a position opening at the Olympics if you want to do it. And I was just like, I really appreciate the offer. <laughs> I just, I can't do it. To even myself. if I had zero work right now, I don't think I'd do it because she's like, yeah, you start at 11 PM and you finish at seven. It's great. No, she's not oh. like, it's great, but it's like, I, I don't <laughs> know if fine. I, I'm I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to um, do that to my body or my social life. I'm fucking dying right now. Just working during the days. And trying to balance everything. I don't know how the fuck you're doing this. That's, I think that you're seems... lying to yourself at some level. You say, it's fine. It's... I don't want to put words in other people's mouth. So. <laughs> With like a blank <laughs> But I mean, smile. it's not fine. If, if the, everyone has that, well, everyone that works nights has that moment where you're getting home, seven o'clock in the morning, you're trying to go to bed, put your, your head down on the pillow, finally settling in. And then you hear the people starting their day. They're grabbing a coffee outside. You hear the garbage truck go by and you say, this is it. This is, I'm at my lowest point right now. Well, I, I kind of want to shift gears and talk about just like this really good interview I listened to on Joe Rogan with Tarantino. I don't, did you listen to that episode? No, I, I, we've talked on the podcast before how he went to Spotify and then I, I don't know a single person who, who <laughs> listens to him regularly anymore. I find it hard to see the new things pop up like because I don't really go on Spotify and scroll the way like no. Apple Podcasts. You open that app and it's like, oh, there's some stuff. Cool, cool, cool. You'd think they figured it out. I mean, they spend, they probably spent close to a billy on podcast acquisition. You know that Obama and Bruce Springsteen had a podcast? Like, I wouldn't even know what it would be about, but they do. And apparently their user experience sucks. Whenever I go on Spotify, I feel like there's no like podcast section, if I recall correctly. I'm going to open up right now and fact check myself because I might be full of shit. If I hit on home, there's like, it just says good afternoon. It gives me my, my top playlists and then it says your top shows like podcast wise. I'm like, why not have like tabs for music podcast? You know what I mean? You would think, like, I mean, billion dollar company, but like, it's I don't know. So like, I mean, I, I obviously, I just saw that he was on through like the podcast clips on YouTube with Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. I love Tarantino movies. I also love listening to writers on podcasts. They're some of the most interesting people. Another episode I got to recommend is the writer. Oh, I forget his name. He wrote Fight Club. He was on the podcast like years ago. Such a good interview. Like writers are like some of the coolest people. They have the best ways of like telling stories and explaining things. And I think just their insight on like creative process is like more in depth than really any creative people that I can really remember listening to podcasts of like even like video directors. It's actually cool. Cause Tarantino is writing movie or writing books as well. Like he just released a book and has like a couple novels and plays he wants to do. But anyways, he brought up something very interesting. So how well do you know the whole Tarantino like history of how he did shit or how he, uh, not really well looking at a shot of this guy right now. He kind of looks like a gremlin. Yeah. He's not good looking, but massively successful though and that's what matters um there you go no i'm to answer your question i'm not super familiar uh i'm gonna cut this i just want to find his uh reservoir dogs when that coming out 1992 okay also cut this out this is that was a derogatory slur that people would say to native people (laughs) what reservoir dog you're a reservoir dog oh i didn't know that okay so What's interesting about the his story is so he started off in like late 80s, early 90s, just making independent movies, working at like a video store. 
He writes the script for True Romance, another great movie. Made a bunch of money on that, took that money. I'm just really summarizing a long story into short. And made Reservoir Dogs his first movie. Nice. That 1992. Movie, 1992. That movie exploded, and that's when he really got popular. Then, like, Pulp Fiction came out, killed 1994. This guy is cranking them out. Absolutely cranking them out. He Good made some money off that stuff. Good for him. Um, moving forward, he spoke about his writing process all the way up to Inglorious Bastards before they uh, before he made that movie. This was must have been like mid two thousands or mid twenty yeah mid two thousands I guess is the decade. And he said this was his process. This is when he and th- he said this is when he was an amateur writer, even though he was professional. He said he would go to restaurants, drink a shitload of coffee, and just kind of sprawl out on the table for three hours kind of write a bunch of stuff, go home, continue writing all the way through the night. And he would just do that late night, just constantly writing and drinking coffee and just kind of like, you know, living that like weird artist reverse lifestyle. And then he started realizing and kind of had a switch in after mountains of success. He started to think, I'm going to switch this up and become a professional is what he said. And I put that in quotes because like he was kind of like amateur versus professional writers. And he's like, this is when I started writing during the day. And on top of that, after I would write from 11, 1030, 10.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. until around 7 p.m., after I'd finished writing, I would hop in my pool and just kind of float around, think about what I wrote, reflect on whether I should change it or not. Then I would write and, or, or come up or new ideas would come to him and he would write those down. He'd write down all those notes loosely and then just put it away and, and then go out for dinner watch a movie, see friends, whatever it was. And that was like a switch he made and he realized like his life and process just became better. What do you think about that? What do you, what do you think about that is, and he said that he was kind of lying to himself when he was an amateur. He was kind of saying, this is what we, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is like the romantic idea of a writer. And then something switched. Is it age? Is it maturity? Is it, is it something else? It makes me think of this great quote from Josh Waitzkin, and I couldn't find it, but the bastardized version is something along the lines of he sees you you can find many really great performers that are super um, fuck. I got it the other way around. You can find a lot of average performers with really dialed in routines that are super organized and neat. And then on the flip side, you can find people who are at the top of their game um, who don't have any kind of semblance of, of a routine or, um, something they do and it just kind of goes to show you that um, everyone works in in unique ways um, and to put a box on something and say to be a successful writer to be um, to reach the level of success that Quentin Tarantino had um, that there's some prescription hanging out there for that um, I just I don't think it exists and I think everyone kind of follows their own path and you have to kind of lean on your own unique skill sets and strengths and be mindful of your shortcomings as well. And that's something I learned as well, because at the start of kind of getting into design and creative work, um, I had no routine because I don't think that I, I didn't feel that I needed one. I think that for a lot of people, routine is the enemy um, because it's like putting boundaries and putting deadlines on, on being creative. Um, But at a certain point, I think, you can't get too far either way. You have to embrace some kind of structure um, and that that structure can't inhibit you in ways that are counterproductive to your creativity. Obviously there's no one way uh, like you're supposed to do something or be like have a process, but I almost feel like there are some like fundamental truths to like 
it, it's just if you are doing one thing and your life isn't super busy let's say you're a writer like it makes sense to do that during the day so that you can you know live a balanced life that's not you know burning the candle at both ends you know he's staying up all night what does that mean for the next day with building mm-hmm. relationships for you know his his own health or whatever it is i almost it, it, and also just for productivity because when are you going to reflect in the middle of the night you know you finish you finish writing at 8 a.m you're probably gassed are you really going to reflect and like set up your next day for success for the best for the most part because that's what he said when he's floating in his pool ideas come to him he reflects on what he did right and and then after that sets up what tomorrow is how easy I, is that to do in the middle of the night it's impossible to do um i think the biggest difference that I see between people who learn really quickly and keep evolving in their craft and those that kind of stay stuck and get frustrated is people who, who progress faster, make a habit or routine of reflecting on what they're doing and in their work. And I think if you have a routine that doesn't support time after to reflect on what you do, it doesn't have to be anything crazy either, guys. You could be taking a walk. You could go to the gym. Whatever, for me, it's it needs to be something physical because I feel like that frees up my brain and my, my mentals um, to kind of release whatever problem I'm working on. Um, but as long as you have some kind of time, and it can be small too, I feel like um, the smallest effective dose is is as short as 10 to 15 minutes. As long as you have that time in your day, um, I think that's a great stop gap measure for figuring out was I happy with what I did or did I learn something or is there something I can take away from the work I did today? And if you're not in that position, what I find happens a lot is you are the horse with the horse blinders on who's just sprinting 100 miles an hour. And I know from my experience, I can't be in that state for too long. I think that mindset is really important for getting a project done um, and kind of charging through and, and getting the work done. But I don't think you can stay there um, for prolonged periods of time i mean it's just flat out unhealthy to stay there because like you'll you have no perspective on what's coming next either if you never reflect because sometimes when you reflect you realize oh i have to do this thing and this thing and this thing to get to that goal of whatever i'm working on but if you're always in that work mode you lose your mind because you have no sense of direction you're kind of just floating instead of on like a you know like a a train track headed to a direction you know what i mean Right. So you almost Absolutely. need those train stops to like let the passengers off. Yeah. And I can't make make some notes of how many people went on, how many people came off, check the tickets, and then get back into work. You know what I mean? It's Absolutely. But it's and beyond, difficult. Beyond reflecting, I also think um whether it's sitting in a pool or um scrolling through your feed or just being outside and being with people, um, you need to take good stuff in. Like you're not gonna make good work if you don't have great inputs. And so what looks like being lazy to a lot of people, and I think you find this especially not just with creative people, but anybody whose job is to work on a computer and do some kind of idea work, whether it's writing or video or design. um, One of the biggest problems is that I've, I've always said you only have like two or three good hours in the day to work on creative stuff. And the rest of your time should be letting go of any idea of productivity and like consuming great stuff, good information that's going to inspire you. And that can come from anywhere. That can come from people and come from a feed. Um, 
but the problem is that that looks like laziness or that looks like being disorganized to people who don't do that kind of work. So I do think there's a gap there between people who work on ideas every day and people who have other jobs. Because I think it's so foreign to them just to see somebody like lying on their patio in the afternoon looking through a phone. They're like, that person's not working. It's lazy. But um, that piece is essential if you want to stay fresh and you want to be inspired and avoid those creative ruts. I agree. But sometimes I feel like it's too the the cell phones it's different it's just too cheap the cell phone is different it's so artificial and fake like it's not a real uh, you can you can come in with the right intention and be like oh i'm gonna do this work but it's so easy to get distracted um that you lose your like speaking from experience i lose myself all the time even if i have the right intentions going in i think some of the best things you could do is just read like fiction like sometimes like some of the most uh, in the moment experiences and like, you know, magical experiences or experience like I'm trying to find the word like it's really like sometimes when, when I was reading a lot more fiction, I remember reading a book, Cannery Row. It's by John Steinbeck and it, he just paints. He's such a good he's obviously like a world class writer and he just paints such a such a strong picture of like the world he's building what I found that did for me when I was reading it, I was like, it just like opened me up to more of the human experience, the intricacies of life. Like what, what are the things that we don't consciously notice when we're out there, but we take a note of, and when someone brings it up, it almost, it it like instills this like butterfly, butterfly feeling in your stomach. Like, Oh my God, I do know that smell, that feeling, that noise, that animal that's there, but I didn't really take it into account. And then when you read that, it, it, it almost jogs that part of your memory and enriches your life to a point where when you do go out and you look around, you're more aware of the way people act, the way, you know, your environment is. And I think that just instantly can easily can bleed into the way you tell stories, make content, write or whatever. So it's like, I don't, and it's hard. The thing is, it's also the the entry into getting into a flow state of reading is so hard, especially now more than ever for like our generation, who's always kind of like ADHD needing flashing colors and stuff, but it really does enrich your life and adds more to, you know, your creative work, no matter what your endeavor is. I think we both agreed in the past that the best work that we see is from people that are remixing from all kinds of different places. And they often have some kind of creative outlet or um, are consuming stuff from a, a bunch of different places outside of what they, what they work on and what they do. The whole Tarantino thing, it also just, jogged this other thing in my mind he was like i start work at like 10 30 11 and i was like most people hear that they're like what you start your day that late like what are you doing what's this this?" good afternoon and i'm like i mean for me some of the best work i do is at 11 like i I, and i did it today for the first time in a while like i actually i actually got up and didn't start working until two two and a half hours after i opened my eyes for the first time and what that love waking up like that that's your ideal that's the idea. I think you're this, a similar way too. You want a slow start to your day. There's nothing worse than when you start your day like not really fully awake and aware and you just have to dive into work or dive into that's, whatever the task that is. That state that you just described is always the first hour of my day, regardless of what I do. Pre-workout, ginseng tea, Tim Ferriss, whatever, caffeine, I don't care what it is. I can't get myself to snap into it, at least mentally. So I'm like, 
I'm one of those people that loves going to the gym as the first thing they do when they wake up, because I feel like coming out of the gym, I'm so much more ready to actually dive into my work. So it's been great that gyms in Ontario finally reopened. Shout out Doug Ford. Shout out Dougie. I mean, I also remember you said, I think you would write or read in the morning a bit. I don't remember. Um, I do stems. I do stems. I think stems like journaling is such a, I feel like if you journal, it can go a million and one different ways. And sometimes it's productive, but for me, it was too hit and miss. So I would give myself um, sentence stems to work off. One of the ones that I love doing is what are the three to five most, um, what are the three to five things that are causing me the most anxiety or stress at work? They're most often things that I've punted from previous days. Um, And then the other one is if I only accomplished one thing today, would I be satisfied if I only could accomplish one thing today? Would it be would I be satisfied with my day? And that's the one or two things that I'll work on for the day. And I have a bunch of different. If you're curious, I'll send you a bunch. But yeah, um, please. Do. I, I do like to to. I feel like it's a great way to get the brain firing and just get ideas flowing. And I feel like one of the things that definitely holds me back in the morning. I don't know if other people can relate to this, but if you're doing creative work um, in the morning, I feel like your filter for what's good or what's not. And you're just the bar for quality and what you accept is just so much higher than when you kind of get into a flow state and you're a bit more relaxed kind of in the afternoon. Um, So just firing off as many ideas as possible and coming in with the mindset that they're not always going to be good ideas and they don't have to be is a great way to kind of cheat or give yourself a head start on the day. I also found like one last point is like just the little wins in the morning. Obviously, I always make my bed. But one thing I used to do pre-COVID all the time was like clean the kitchen, set up my lunch, like do all this little shit where it's like, I am not after this is done, like I've just done a bunch of minor little tasks that all are finished and completed and it's a win. Boom, easy money. Like I feel like I go, I finished that and I go straight into work. I'm like, I'm already on this high of like everything's going right so far. Everything is like success, check off the box. It's not a work in progress. And then I can dive into this stuff. And, or on top of that, sometimes I like to play guitar in the morning or like, I don't know, go for a walk and just do things that are just so slow and easy and kind of are, and are enjoyable. And then it just makes that like on-ramp into work so much easier. But I found personally speaking, going in COVID, got to a point where I wasn't doing things I enjoyed in the morning. I was just kind of waking up in this like sloppy... It'd be like cold. I'd be like, wake up an hour into waking up. I'd go do work and just, there was something off in the mornings and even at night. Like I just never set up my day for success or ended my day to make the next day successful. It was always just like, oh, finally I can like not work and do this. Like it was, it was really depressing to be honest. It's weird. It's weird. I feel like those are the most neglected parts of the day where it's like, whatever your habits or routines are for the start and end of your day are just that and everyone kind of accepts them. And then paradoxically, paradoxically, easy enough for me to say, um, those are like two of the most important half an hour to hour pieces of your day. They feel like they just set the tone. So as lame as, as it is to say like, oh, I felt uh, a sense of reward from cleaning the kitchen. Or for me, it's like if I lay out my clothes for the day, um, the night before, it's just such a win to wake up and be like, oh, I'm prepared to start my day. It sounds so lame and they're so small and you'd think they're insignificant, but they do really add up. And if I get, there's no feeling for me, like getting out of bed before 830, I just feel like I've set myself up for the rest of my day. And I'm like, this is a win. 
uh, whatever I do after this, I'm going to get a good workout in. And even if I don't do anything that I'm supposed to for that day, I will feel a sense of completeness and like I accomplished something for the day. It's, it's I mean, just to put a cap on it, it's so important to have to-do list thing items that are actually going to be done today. Like, even if it's a part of something, the fact that it's like you finished the day and succeeded on a few things, there's no better feeling. And on the flip side, there's no worse feeling than realizing that was supposed to be done today. Now I got to do it tomorrow. And it pushes back all this other shit. Fuck. No. And stress. for all you hustle porn hardos, your checklist and to-do list shouldn't have more like more than five things. I stare at some, I, I see some Instagram stories where there's like 25 things and people are scheduled for like every half hour on their day. And I'm like, if I saw that, I would just be so overwhelmed and stressed. I wouldn't do any of it. And I also think that it's not just me. Like if you're scheduled for like 30 minute chunks every single day, because you heard that's what Elon Musk do, does. And you're like, I'm going to be the next billionaire who goes to space. Like it's probably not going to work and you're probably not that person. I mean, speaking of billionaires, went to it's space, just, a, it's success point though. I know that you see those Instagram stories as well. Oh yeah. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's just so unrealistic. And it's meanwhile, like, that person's getting like three hours of sleep and you're like, Oh, oh this no. might be why you don't feel like you're being effective. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this is why there's no more families and strong family units because everyone's just working. Yeah. Cause that's what world's crumbling. It's, it's what it is. All right. Well, this has been a great podcast. I got a little uh, surprise note. I, I, can't, I don't think I can mention things, but uh, might be going on a little uh, work shoot vacation in the States. Wow. Hopefully more, you know. Uh, I didn't catch an invite to that. So no, it's we're doing a shoot with someone in, uh, you know, a desert area. Can't say names. Involves it's like hockey. a movement that movement watch company doing it with uh Nigel Houston. Yeah, exactly. Something something like you that. You have but no clue that that reference. I know Nigel Houston. Seventeen feet over yeah. your head. I know movement. I know that skate. He's a skateboarder. <laughs> yeah. I know the guy. Come on now. I'm into culture. I love sending. This is what I'll, I want to close. I was looking for stuff on my phone. I want to close on this. I love sending you stuff and just trying to gauge whether you're gonna get the reference or not and and getting the text back. Hey, I don't know if so-and-so helped me out here. That's my favorite kind of text from you to get. Cause I'm you like, gotta help me out. I'm, this is nuance. This is in the weeds and it's good. Like it's a good filter for just like, I can't say this on the podcast cause I'm just going to get a, a blank stare back. Yeah. You know, it's fun. You gotta put me through the blender sometimes, but this was a fantastic episode. Uh, I can't wait to get more details and I can announce what's going on. It's gonna be fun as fuck. Oh, we didn't mention uh, your DM from, from, from Tyra. Oh. Ty, I, I don't want to see. I don't want to blast this guy, but this is hilarious. Honestly, this is funny. I'm thinking we save it for the next episode. Hilarious. We're going to say it. it's a good one. I'm going to make a note of this for the next episode because I've got to run Mo's. But you everyone, important stuff to do. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for coming back yet another week. Make sure to follow us at Renner Podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. Ciao.